Hey guys, this is Tina Recklage, and you're listening to the Grow and Go podcast, the show about growing, challenging, and encouraging each other to dig deeper than the social norms. Let's grow and go together. guys, and what is up? It is your host, Tanner Recklage, as always, and welcome back to another episode of the Grow and Go podcast. <laughs> to be honest with you guys, days kind of seem like they're all just mixing together, and I often forget which day is which at this point. But dude, quarantine and this whole COVID-19 thing is just throwing me off big time, and honestly, I am so tired of it. <laughs> like, I'm honestly just looking forward to the day where things can go back to normal. And honestly, I'm also looking forward to the day where I can just tell my grandkids that I survived the 2020 coronavirus pandemic and have them finally look up to me under the assumption that they won't. But I hope you guys are are all staying safe. I hope you guys are keeping it real in the middle of this weird, very unreal time, in all honesty. And I hope you guys are saying, you know, completely sane um, because you're reflecting on who God is and how faithful he is in the middle of this time. And that you guys are just looking forward to getting life back to normal, staying safe and doing that. So uh, before I get into that, I want to say two quick things. One, um, guys, I started doing stuff for season two and I have to it's it's going to be awesome. Like, I feel like season two is going to be the peak of this whole podcast. Um, (laughs) So if you're going to tune out from that point on, that's okay. But uh, no, it's going to be awesome. Um, I don't want to give a whole lot of ideas um, just yet. So the first episode will probably be uh, middle of uh, summer, maybe late summer. I haven't made up my mind yet, but it's going to be like probably the best summer of just having conversations with people and it's going to be dope. So uh, that's the first thing. Second thing, um, I'm just really thankful that you guys are still listening. I always see um, that you guys are you know, just like watching, I see, or listening, not watching, because this is a podcast, but I always see how many people are listening every week, and I'm just so thankful that you guys take the time to just sit down and listen to just 20 minutes of me ranting, but <laughs> other other than that, um, I hope you guys are still learning a lot, I hope you guys are growing, and I hope we're growing and going together, because that's the whole point of this podcast, and so with that said, uh, I just want to jump right in, because uh, this, this topic is going to be super heavy, but before that, it's embarrassing story of the week time. So, um, this happened last year. Okay. So I was, I was doing an internship through my church and it was during the youth ministry because that's what I'm going to school for theological studies. And I was, um, I was, I had the opportunity to speak to the students that I was under, which was pretty cool because that's exactly what I want to do. And it was really cool that I had this opportunity to do that, not just once, but twice. So uh, there was this one specific time where I was, I wanted to get, give this really good message that I felt like I was really pressing on my heart. And so I took a lot of time to like go over it and consistently go over it. And um, it came to the point where like um, I would go to the church like late at night just to practice it for like a couple hours. And the reason I would be able to get into into the church late at night was because I worked there and I had a coworker who also worked there as well. And so there was one night, his name's Sam. Oh, I mentioned him in a previous episode before too, how we worked together at one point. So if you remember that one, um, there you go, little context. But there was one time where I had, I was 
going to the church late at night to just practice my sermon. And we were, I was practicing it up in the harvest market area, which was upstairs, like in the whole church. And it was just to like, it, that's where we keep all our like food and like our, uh, like, you know, like cans and pasta and stuff like that to give to people. Um, but not really important, honestly, but it was just a little context for you guys. But, um, and so I was up there practicing and I told Sam, I'm like, Hey man, cause he was locking up the church that night. He was tearing down the events and locking up the church I said, Hey man, uh, I'm going to be upstairs just practicing my message for a bit. So if you could just let me know when you're going to leave. Uh, so I'll leave with you. So you don't set the alarm on me. And Sam isn't the brightest guy, but I trusted him. So I, and he said, yeah, man, I got to. So I'm upstairs just practicing my message. I'm going at it. I'm crying. Not really. Um, but I'm up there just going over it a few times. I'm recording it. Um, I'm holding a freaking can of like <laughs> spaghetti sauce, acting like it's a microphone just to like get a little more emphasis, you know, going at it. And I finish up. It's about 11, 1130 at night. And I, uh, I'm like, okay, I'll FaceTime Sam, make sure he's still in the building. So I FaceTime him. He answers instantly. I knew he was gone because he was driving in the car. So I'm like, oh shoot. I'm like, Hey man, um, are you gone or are you still in the church? He's like, no man, I'm, I'm on my way to my girlfriend's house right now. I'm like 30, 40 minutes away. He's like, I already locked up the building though. You're good. And I'm like, Sam, (laughs) I'm like, dude, I'm in the building right now. He's like, what? He's like, I didn't see your car. I'm like, I parked in the parking lot. He's like, what? (laughs) So that's besides the point. But every time you lock up the building, you had to set the alarm. And so if there was any motion in the building, if someone was ever in the building, uh, the alarm would just go off instantly because of the, you know, it would catch it. So if I was to get out of the building, I knew the alarm would go off. And so there was a choice I had to make between telling Sam to turn around, drive like the 30, 40 minutes away to come back and unset the alarm or me to just make a mad dash for it. So I hung up the phone and I'm like, I'm just going to do the mad dash. Honestly, it's going to save so much time. (laughs) So I opened the door and instantly the alarm went off and I sprint. I literally am going like need for speed. I'm just sprinting out of the building. I'm like, I don't want to get caught by the police when they hear the alarms go off. So I'm just sprinting. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I go out the door. I, cause I know the code. I set the alarm for the code again and I rock, walk out, I go to my car and drive home. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was so stressful. Like my anxiety was to a T like <laughs> it was awful. And so, um, I get home, I go in my bed and I'm about to go to sleep and I get a text, (laughs) uh, in a group text from me, Sam and my boss. And so, and my boss uh, was like, Hey, uh, did the alarm go off? And so me and him explained the situation to him. And let's just say that my boss was not happy about having the police call him to make sure that the building was okay at like midnight. So, uh, that, that's what happened. That was very embarrassing. And I'm pretty sure the cameras in the building caught me like running and looking like a complete idiot, just like running through the building. But I, I hope that footage never gets revealed because I just like, <laughs> like running through the building. But anyway, uh, let's just get right into today's topic. And man, today's topic is going to be heavy. Honestly, I have, I I have a bigger conversation with a friend of mine coming up about this whole topic, but I just wanted to lay out some ground things before before I have that conversation and ultimately because God has been teaching me so much about this topic and the relationships I have with people. Um, And I want to start off by giving you the title of today's episode and basically the whole topic of today's lesson, and it's this. People are not projects. Now, let's talk about projects for a second. Man, 
let me just say, I am so thankful that I didn't go to one of those schools where it was super cliche to make and build a replica of a volcano. Uh, first of all, why a volcano? Okay, that's something I always wondered. Like, I live in northwest, in the northwest corner of Cornfield, Indiana, and I don't even know where the nearest volcano to me is. Okay, and second, I've seen way too many television shows just give their own spin on a kid who needs to make a volcano project for school, where to the point where I'm not even like a little bit astonished about volcanoes. Like, if I were to ever see one, I'd be like, "Cool, volcano, seen that before." Uh, like, I, it doesn't blow my mind anyway anymore it's basic cliche and i think we should abolish making every middle school high school student do it so but projects on the topic of projects 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 every school makes you do at least one i've noticed that um my my own project that i remember the most was in my film literature class in high school i was a senior and yes it's a real class and let me tell you, it was probably the coolest class I ever took in high school. Like the whole thing, the whole class was watching movies and writing like three little paragraphs about the plot and stuff like that. It was like a blow off class, but it wasn't because it was giving me credits. And I was so thankful for that. <laughs> so, um, but there was this one project that was my, like the final project that was like the big test. So we didn't have to take this big test. We just had to turn in a project, which was pretty cool. Um, but it was this one big project that we had to do and we had to gather like four or five of us to get like in a group and we had to put together a script, a cast and a movie plot and create this 10 to 15 minute movie to play for the whole class as our final project. And like this included music transitions, you know, character development, the whole shebang. Like we had to make a whole movie as a project and it was super dope. Not going to lie. The hard part about making sure this whole project was going well was making sure that it was perfect by the time we presented it you know the whole group the whole five of us we had to agree on every detail of the film and after the whole thing was finished like we filmed the whole thing everything was done we had to make sure every transition every song every shot was exactly the way that we wanted it to be and that was honestly the most difficult part because we had to make sure that everybody was in agreement with what we wanted the film to be seen as when people watched it and given the movie was a knockoff of Spider-Man, and it was called The Gummy Worm Man, but that's besides the point, okay? Uh, the point of making sure everything about the project was perfect before it was presented was the straining point to the point where I wasn't even enjoying making the film. Like, I was too worried about whether I had missed a detail or that I wasn't good enough or it wasn't good enough to present. So, going back to the whole people are not projects, because I promise this makes sense, let's do a hypothetical and replace the word film with people. So going back to the whole the saying that we had to make sure every detail was perfect in the film, I feel like sometimes we also have to make sure every detail in a person that we're discipling or walking beside has to be perfect too. The point of making sure that this film was perfect before it was ever presenting it could be switched around to saying the point of making sure that this person was perfect before presenting him or her to God. If you're not getting the hint, if we treat people like a project, we are ultimately setting them up and ourselves for failure. You know, if we just limit their existence to fit our mold, we are treating them like a Sims character who are constantly being controlled mindlessly. People are not projects. Now, let's talk about what that looks like. And as someone who loves to see transformation in people's lives, this is a difficult pull that I find my heart just wrestling with at times. There's this pull between uh, converting people through sharing truth about Jesus, the gospel, etc., 
in the other side of the pole in regards to loving people where they're at and not wanting to just convert them and leave it at that. Because if my love for seeing lives changed is just to get them to where I want them to be, then I don't think I'm actually loving them. Because of my love for seeing lives change, there's almost this underlying manipulation that could be used if we only see people worthy when they convert to our standards of worth. For example, if my agenda with walking alongside a non-believer who wants, or, you know, a hopeful agnostic, someone who wants to understand but just doesn't, if my only agenda is to get them to say, I believe in God, in all, in all honesty, I don't think I've done a good job at actually loving them, but I've done a good job at just twisting their mindset. Non-believers, people who don't agree with the faith, people who don't know the faith, are not projects. Non-believers, people who do not believe, are still worthy of love too. And they're still created by the hands of the almighty creator. And it even says in Colossians 1 verse 16 that for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All things, all beings were created through him and for him. And this is a beautiful verse because everything around us was created by God himself. And this even includes people who do not worship him, which in our hardened hearts could seem pretty unfair. I think every believer wants what, God, what Romans 4.11 says when it says, every knee will bow before him, every tongue will acknowledge God. And this should be our heartbeat. I want that to be our heartbeat, to see transformation through his power. But it becomes an issue when we act like we're the ones holding that power. As if, as if us trying to preach God's truth down their throats will change their hearts. Guys, we do not have the power. And in all honesty, I think it's more of a turn off than a turn on. And if my goal as a believer in Jesus is to check off a box as if that person's soul is just a task, I have missed the tenderheartedness of the Father completely. Because in at least my own story, I don't believe that God dragged me into his presence, said, you're saved, so now you're worthy to be loved by me. No, just I don't think he did that just so he could walk away and forget the relationship aspect. That's the whole thing in a nutshell. People are not projects. They are worthy of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the world, which is a mix of believers, non-believers, Jews, Hindus, black, white, men, women, all of us mixed together. That's the world. For God so loved everyone in the world that he gave his only son. That means that everybody has the opportunity to get to know him. The problem I think we have is that we think that God only gives his love when the people who don't believe finally get it, you know? As if their whole existence isn't loved unless they know the Father, unless they finally come to grips with who God is. Guys, here's the truth. I have family members who don't believe that I love. I have coworkers that I know are atheists that I love. I have neighbors that I know who, are, who worship a complete different religion that I love. I have friends I graduated with who straight up mock Christianity who I love. To say that God doesn't love them until they get it would be a complete misdirection of who he is. And if I don't love someone because they are someone, then I don't know God. If we don't love unbelievers like we love other believers, then we don't know love. And like it says in 1 John 4 verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God 
is love. So if our definition of love is to get them where we want them to be, is that actually love or is that manipulation? Is loving people getting them to confess their sins to God and for us to feel accomplished as a believer? I don't want my whole mantra in life to be, I want this amount of souls or I converted this amount of people. If my dream to be a pastor and to lead God's people is to count the amount of souls that I hypothetically want, I'm caring more about numbers and my own works than I am about people who are actually being revealed to the living and breathing God. I think we should reshift and refuse to treat God's creation, the people he created, as a project for our gain. And not even to say for our gain, but for his glory. Because if we go to him and say, God, this young man I've been walking alongside uh, finally listened to my words and turned his life over to you, and it's all for your glory. Is that for his glory or for ours? We do not have the power to change their hearts. We do have the power to convert people in different ways, maybe manipulating, maybe not. But I think God cares more about relationship than partnership. And what am I trying to say? I'll simplify this whole thing down to this. God cares more about relationships. Think about it. The whole Christian walk is about a relationship, the connection between man and God. That's the whole reason God sent his son down to die for our sin is so that way there can be connection. God talks about this relationship in the book of Leviticus when he said to ancient Israel, I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. I will walk among you. I won't walk in front of you and try to have you catch up with me or I won't be behind you and try to push you along. No, I will walk among you. I will walk beside you. I believe our relationship with people does not have to be a manipulation exchange. I believe our relationship with people can be a beautiful part of life where we can walk alongside people. Listen because you care, not because you want them to see how good of a listener you are. Love without being fake, being involved in a conversation, not consistently not consistently trying to shift the conversations back to God or Christianity or religion, but just loving people where they're at. I want my whole mantra to be, hey, dummy, just love people. (laughs) And speaking of, I had a conversation with a few friends and we kind of joked around that if I ever published a book, it would be titled, hey, idiot, love people more. (laughs) But it's so true. I don't want my legacy to be about how many lives I've changed or how many souls I've won at their front doorstep. No, I want my life to be a reflection of how he loves, not how he converts. And that's the thing. If someone were to say like, oh, I read my Bible more, like I would love that. If someone were to come up to me and say, hey, I've been reading my Bible more. I've been doing this more. But like I would ask them a follow up question like, how are you looking like Jesus more, though? Like everybody can read a book. Everybody can read Charles Dickens, but not everybody is going to be like Charles Dickens. I want to see real transformation. I want... And I feel like God wants to see that too. And I do believe in life change and transformation, but I also believe that God rejoices in beautiful, simplistic moments in people's relationships. People are not projects. People are created intricately and woven beautifully by God, despite their relationship with him, even if they have one or don't have one. I want to see every knee bow and tongue confess. But first, I must humbly submit to the fact that I don't have the power to make 8 billion people fall to their knees. I do have the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit and his power to love people all around us, inside and outside of our circles. People are not projects. People are worthy of love. And I want to love people like Jesus loved me. 
if someone was to ask me about why I am a follower of Jesus or why I believe in him, I wouldn't say, well, someone converted me and I guess I'm a believer now. No, I would say that Jesus met me where I was and didn't try to change anything. But he opened my eyes to the possibility of being with him forever. He started a relationship with me because he wanted me, not because he had my name on a list of people to get, but because he loved me so personally, so patiently, and he revealed his love to me through his sacrifice on a cross so I could be with him forever. It was his love that drove me to my knees, not his goal to convert me and leave me there. He didn't manipulate me into a relationship with him. He loved me at my worst and said, you are worthy of love. And I am not a project in his eyes and neither are you. And if you don't know what Jesus says about you, look at how he loved. Look at how patient he was. Look in the Gospels and see how he just so patiently loved people where they were. And then you'll see that you were never a project to begin with. You are so loved and you are not a project. Okay, challenge of the week. We're all in this quarantine and we all got some amount of time left over for us to take advantage of. I feel like... I feel like in some weird sense, God is kind of given like, hey, use this time for my benefit. Like, hey, love people more during this time. Hey, reach out to the people you haven't talked to in a bit. And uh, this week, think of someone you love and just call them up. Not only are we all going through a pretty similar spot, this will be an opportunity to actively listen and to hear how they are doing. There's a difference between just hearing people speak and like choosing to actively listen and invest in the in the conversation. And who knows, they might be going through stuff that you wouldn't know unless you asked them. Call, don't text. <laughs> Call show that you're willing to give amount of undivided attention to them that you wouldn't get, that they wouldn't feel through a text. Let's love them a little bit harder this week. Let's love our people. Let's love the people around us. But genuinely, not just to check off a box or to say, Tanner made me do this for a challenge of the week. <laughs> Let's just love people more this week and call them up and see how they're doing. We'll see you guys next time.